0: Doing, everybody.
1: This is the WBC Featherweight Champion of the World, Mr. Gary Russell Jr., and you can listen to me and tune in on Zoots Boxing
0: Talk. righty. welcome everybody to Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you your sweet science straight up with no twists. And as everybody doing out there this evening, Wednesday, January the 1st, 2020, The first day of a new year, the first day of a new decade, and to help us celebrate this uh, festive day, our guest will be Tony the Tiger Lopez a little bit later on. Great champion, great action fighter, Mr. Lopez, looking forward to hearing from him. But Let's first talk about the uh, last major card on American television for boxing this past weekend on Showtime. I I thought it was a pretty good triple header. Uh, A lot of stuff going on before the fight with Tank Davis and the weight. I mean, at the end of the day, he made the weight and he was ready to fight, but uh, a, a lot of stuff going on to get to that point, if you will. But the first fight of the televised card, I thought it was a pretty good one Lionel Thompson in a mild upset against Jose Ustagai and uh Usteguay was down in the first round. Then he was uh hurt a couple of times, hurt pretty badly a little bit later in the fight. And I like Ustagate. He's the kind of guy that you know that his type of style he's gonna be in a good fight. He uh, is uh, hittable, but he shows resistance, right? He's not going to crumble at the first sight of a solid combination, but he does get hurt, and uh, he's good enough to make the fight interesting until the very end. I mean, you always thought that perhaps he could get to Thompson and get a big round up until the end, but Thompson – did what he had to do to win a unanimous uh, decision. Uh, Ho- Jose is one of those guys where if he learns a little bit more, I think he can be a little bit better. But now uh, this is a fight where he was set up to win, I think, and uh, it didn't happen. So we'll, we'll see. Lionel Thompson, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, this is a fight at super middle. A- anything could happen for him now. He certainly performed well in a high-profile spot. Then you had John Pascal and Badu Jack, and I told you last week that I thought this was going to be a good one, Uh, and it was a good one. Uh, Both guys uh, were down in this fight. Uh, The decision was a little bit of a a controversy split decision win for Pascal. Most people thought that Jack won, and Jack is one of those guys, right? I mean, how many times is he in fights like this where you you just uh, have... Uh, a cons- you don't have a popular consensus right I, I mean the-, the idea that most people thought he won is understandable but uh, I mean about Pascal If both of these guys came to fight let's do it again let's solve it again I-, I can't say either way who I thought was a clear victor I probably would have leaned towards Jack but Pascal did get off I thought to a better start uh, a good fight at light heavyweight. Uh, Pascal is a guy I thought had nothing left. And here he is. is still competing. A tough guy. Toughness can take you a long way. He still fights primarily the same way, but uh, they, they, there you go. So a split decision win. Most people were not happy with the decision and such is boxing. And then the main event, Tank Davis over York Yurkir, Yoris game. Boa. And if I was right about Pascal and Jack being a good fight, I was certainly wrong about this one. I did not think Gamboa would last more than two rounds. He went all the way into the 12th round. Uh, to me, it was clearly obvious to me that uh, Tank Davis was far superior, and I'm not sure why a lot of people are down on him. Yeah, he was more economical than you would like. Yeah, he let a guy go into the 12th round who most of us thought had no business going into the 12th round. But, you know, Gamboa is a world-class fighter. He might be aging. He might be on the other side of his best. But when you have that type of a fighter, you just don't know when he's going to put forth an effort like he did Saturday night. And I think his effort was built most on the fact that he felt that he was going to try and last as long as he could. I mean, let's be honest. Was he really that competitive? Did he win that many rounds? I mean, he was dropped three times. And had Davis had a higher work rate, I think he would have gotten him out of there earlier. I'm not sure why Davis has now gone from sliced bread to mold after this. I mean, I can understand being down on the matchup. You don't want to see a a talent like Davis uh, fighting a guy he has no business losing to. And he had no business losing to Gamboa. I don't want to see he had no business allowing Gamboa to get to the 12th round for reasons that I just mentioned. But, I mean, if you invested in sitting down and watching this fight you should have gotten past the point of it being a bad matchup. If you thought it was that horrendous of a matchup, why watch? You watch because Davis is a draw. He's a guy you want to see. So, I mean, take it for what it is. I I, I don't I, I don't understand most of the criticism here. And even uh Terrence Crawford got on board goofing on uh, uh Davis's performance. And if you remember way back uh Uh, Crawford and Gamboa fought and Gamboa put on a good showing for a little bit from what I remember. I haven't watched that fight in a long time. Uh, Did Gamboa even drop Crawford? It's possible. I don't remember for sure. But Crawford went on to tweet that uh, uh, Gamboa hadn't fought anybody since him and all this other craziness and was goofing on uh, Tank. I mean, was it the best Tank Davis? No, but... Every time out, the greatest fighters are not always at their best, right? I mean, we have this fictional thing where all of the fighters that we love from the past always came out and had their absolute best performance. A lot of guys come on, and they're often not at their total best. And if this is Tank Davis not at his total best, he's still pretty damn good. He, he still got home with the left hand. He still hurt Gamboa when he needed to Uh, I'm I'm a little I'm a little puzzled by this but it's the narrative of the day right boxing fans are very funny I mean uh, and uh, what was one of the other things that I was seeing that this guy now now Tiafimo Lopez would kill Tank Davis well everybody was down on Tiafimo Lopez right before the Comey fight when he, went to the, when he went to distance against the guy people thought he shouldn't have, right? I mean, do we forget? Do, do we learn anything, boxing fans? I, I don't think we do. Because now that Teofimo Lopez blew away Comey. He, he, he's back in good gracious. But going into that fight with Comey, a lot of people were picking Comey and down on Tiafimo Lopez. Now everybody is down on Tank Davis. Tank Davis, yes, you need to fight better competition. That's the only criticism I, I could really uh, subscribe by. The, the rest of it, I don't know. It wasn't like Gamboa was in there, and it was uh, a give and take fight the way Donaire and, and Inouye was. And most people thought that Donaire was done, and he fought uh, possibly the fight of the year against Inouye, Everybody. Who knows about it anyway, ranks him very high in the pound for pound. But when he has an unexpected tough fight against Donaire, and some people could even claim that Donaire won that fight, you don't get the same kind of uh, press clippings as you do with a Tank Davis. Probably because Tank Davis is that kind of a polarizing figure, and he's connected to Heyman, and he's connected to Mayweather, and every little every little chance those haters of those guys are going to jump on him, right? And, you know, in the beginning, Tank Davis and his attitude rubbed me the wrong way, too. I'll be the first to admit it, but he's kind of grown on me. And just rating him as a talent, he's a super talent. And going 12 with Gamboa should not mean that he's not a super talent anymore If and I I think similar to Teofimo Lopez he just didn't go in there in the best shape Teofimo Lopez the fight before Comey admitted that he didn't go in in the best shape there were distractions outside distractions uh, I don't know what could have uh, caused Tank Davis other than taking Gamboa lightly to not be in there 100% but if Tank Davis does fight a, a guy who he perceives as more of a threat, I, I bet you he's in better shape and performs better. And it he didn't perform that badly. I mean, if that's him at his worst, that's pretty damn good. And I thought that he would take Gambo out in two rounds. And if I were Terrence Crawford, I I wouldn't say anything. Because people were killing you for having a tough fight with Mean Machine, a guy nobody thought you had any business fighting. So what are you doing goofing on tank? You know, it's okay for a fighter to say something silly because they're a fighter. I I don't get that mentality. I'm, I'm sure Crawford didn't appreciate or like the weird criticisms he got because Mean Machine happened to show up in a fight that people thought was going to be a walkover. You know, it's just that narrative that people lack on to today, right? I mean, R- Roberto Duran is highly regarded, considered one of the best fighters of all time. And in his lightweight uh, reign, he, he fought some guys that uh, he had no business losing to and perhaps struggled, right? Lou Bizarro. When Lou Bizarro, I mean, he, and at the end, he blew Lou Bizarro away the same way Davis blew away Gamboa. But uh, Lou Bizarro went rounds and gave him some trouble with his movement. And uh, I wasn't necessarily around, I don't remember that fight at all, I've seen it since I was a little baby at that time, but uh, from what I hear about the narrative, the attachment was Lu uh, you know, Bizarro, he gave himself he good, gave a good account of himself against a world class fighter that same thought process should be in place for Mean Machine and and Crawford, but no instead now Crawford is shit I, I don't get it. Boxing fans ain't what they used to be. Is that what we're going to say? I hope not. But uh, if I were Crawford, I wouldn't be goofing on anybody. Because you, your stock went down in a lot of people's eyes against Mean Machine. And now it has been reported that you are not interested in fighting Sean Porter that's not in your plans right now. I mean, so in order for you to save face, bud, you have to fight somebody next that is perceived to be better than Sean Porter. And there's not a lot of guys out there of that uh, caliber. Oh, wait, I'm not going to criticize you. I just don't understand why you're criticizing uh, Davis when people were goofing on you for your performance. I don't know. And it would have been another situation where these outside islands of uh, PBC and top rank, in this case, getting together. Everybody seemed to be on board with Porter fighting Crawford, except for you, bud. What's the deal? Who are you going to fight next? I don't know. I don't know. So... Well, we'll definitely see. I mean, Tank Davis before that this year had a pretty uh, easy 2019 in the sense that he didn't really go that many rounds. He ends the year going 12 rounds against a guy he probably had no business going uh, 12 rounds against, but uh, you contributed that to Gamboa being more inspired than probably people would have thought. And It happens when, you, when you're a guy that was once a top guy. You could pull it out of the well one more time and give yourself a spirited effort against the top guy. It's not like that's never happened before. I don't think that Tank trained as seriously as he should have because he probably thought that he would blow away Gamboa just by showing up that's not good that's not an excuse but that's a reason that that happens he's not the first fighter to fall into that and at least he came back and made the weight people are all over social media killing him that he didn't make the weight but he did make the weight not additionally but he got we went back and did it a lot of times when that happens the guy comes back and can't make it and then there's, it's a non-title fighter or whatever have you here, for whatever reason, Tank still had to pay a penalty. I'm not sure of the rules of that. That sounds pretty fishy. That sounds like a money grab to me. But he made the weight, and he saved it as a title fight, and it goes down as a title fight. And it was for a, a vacant light t- lightweight title. So there you go. Alrighty, so now we're going to hear from Tony the Tiger Lopez, one of the most exciting fighters of any era. He happened to show up at a time where there was still a prominent voice on network television in on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, and boy, was this guy a treat to watch. So here he is, Tony the Tiger Lopez. All my next guest is a former fighter who won championships in multiple late classes. He finished with a record of 58-1 with 34 big knockouts. He was uh, part of some of the biggest high-octane fights of the 80s, fight of the year with Rocky Lockridge. He fought Jorge Paez. John John Molina, Brian Mitchell, I mean, the list goes on and on. Such a a great guy to talk to. I'm glad to have him back. It's been a while, but welcome back to the show, Tony the Tiger Lopez. How are you doing today, Tony?
1: Good. What's happening today, bro? How are you doing,
0: man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And uh, Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, we'll just get that out of the way. Uh, hopefully, uh, 2022 right. will be great for you. Now, it bad. To, that's it, that's it. Now I wanted to first talk to you about when you started out, you uh, you had told me off the air that you were a sparring partner of Bobby Chacon and that really helped you in many, many ways. So let's talk a little bit about that. First talk about how you first got connected with Bobby as a sparring partner. and What was it like? The, the learning experience, Bobby as a person. Of course, he has, soon, he has since passed, which was very sad. So talk a little bit about that first.
1: You know, we had the same trainer at the time. He still had a different trainer, but I had a trainer named Will Edgington. And when his trainer, uh, Bobby's trainer, passed on and took off, uh, you know, Will Edgington took off. And then Will Edgerton was my trainer, so we got kind of tied that way through, through Will himself. And then Bobby, at the time, was living, in, and it was the first three years of my career, which were the last three years of Bobby's career. And so, here's how my day pretty much went. You know, I'd get up at four in the morning, and I lived on my own, and I, and I was young; I was only like 20 years old. And so, I would get up at four, uh, go run, do all that stuff, come home, eat. Go. To, I worked in a in a brick company, Modocs Brick Company here in Sacramento. I'd get up at six a.m. Uh, go go to work to two thirty. After 2 to 30, I'd meet my trainer, Will Edgington at the Renfrew Field baseball field here in Sacramento. And then we both would drive to Oroville. Well, I would drive Will to Oroville as <laughs> well as me drive to Oroville every day just with Bobby. And then, you know, Bobby was no joke. Bobby, he you know, he was a really good guy, a uh, nice guy. Remember, I'm 20 years old, so I'm a little cocky. I'm not cocky in the ways of uh, how people think cocky, but cocky in the ways of the fire going, you know, I'm going to handle mine. I don't care what happens. I'm going to handle mine. I'm, I'm going to get mine today, right? And so, you know, I'd go to the gym, and, and the gym was in Bobby's backyard in, in Orville. And so we'd go down there, we'd train every day, and every single day this guy would kick my butt. And, and, and it wasn't it wasn't pretty because after, after about the first month, you I know, mean, you have swollen eyes, your nose is getting wider, uh, your lips are fatter, your ears hurt, the back of your head hurts, your body hurts, and everything's supposed to hurt. And he would do this to me every day. And every day, I'd finish thinking, I'm going to come back tomorrow, and I'm going to beat the crap out of him tomorrow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him tomorrow. Tomorrow's my day. It never really happened. It really didn't happen that year. But, you know, I, I kept that kept that same mentality with me the whole time, that I'm going to get mine. And I kept going and kept going and kept going. Well, the next year, the second year, uh, we made a, it was a little you know, – we trained in between Oroville and Sacramento, which was only about – 30 minutes away at the time for the second time. So the second year was in, I think it was Marysville. And we trained over there. And then you can kind of see the tide change with Bobby. Uh, you know, some days he was always tough. Don't get it wrong. He was always tough. He never quit, never backed off. He never did that. But he slowed down. And there's days that, you know, Will would tell me, hey, Tony, you know, take it easy on Bobby today. And in my head, I was thinking, F that. No, I'm not. You know what? He didn't take it easy on me. I'm not taking it easy on him. And guess what? And I didn't. And guess what? Bobby never took a step backwards. He'd keep coming every day. And mm-hmm. so this went on the whole second year. And then the third year, we trained in Sacramento. And so, and Bobby was was staying close to Sac, so it wasn't so, so far from we never In the far off stretch, we were training here in Sacramento. And then, uh, you know, you, at, at the third year, we was something, hey, you know what? Take it easy. Cameras here, you know, do this, do that. And then I would because, you know, hey, man, Bobby didn't do nothing but teach me how to be a fighter. You know, he taught me what it really takes to get in there with a world champion and, 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 and be a world champion, you know. And and it, I looked at it as, hey, man, I he, I paid my dues with Bobby. But, you know, those, those that being said, I never asked him for a dime. I never asked him for gas. I never asked him for anything. You know, only thing I asked him is, "Hey man, give me another day of sparring. Give me another day of sparring." Because that's all, as as a, as a fighter coming up, that's all you really want. Now, how many fighters in the in, in their in their life can ever dream of sparring with a three-time world champion, a two-time world champion, whatever he was, you know? Mm-hmm. As as your first coming up, you know. I mean, that's that's like an A card for anybody, you know. Anybody would want to do that, and I got it, you know, and I got it for free. You know, and, and people would tell me, Hey man, doesn't he pay? Doesn't he do I go, man, look, I'm not asking to be paid. He's paying me by sparring with me. You know, that's right. that's what he's paying me. I am I'm, I'm I'm learning. You know, I'm learning every day. It's not like the fighters today with oh well you know, I I won't go sparring unless they're paying. Man, well then you really don't want to be a fighter. You just wanna be a sparring partner, you just go out and be a, be a sparring partner then. You know what I mean? See, I wanted to be a champion. And, and and for me that was a difference. And a lot of the little things I did in training like with Bobby And will and other things and other people I trained with, you know, that was my intention was to be a world champion. I didn't come out here to to see how far I could get. I I got into the game to be a world champion, and you know, to me, it's mind over matter. I did it.
0: Indeed, indeed. Now, one of the things that Bobby was known for was having heavy hands. where did he rate in terms of his punching power compared to some of the guys that you fought? I mean, you went up in a few weight classes after your, your debut. Where did Bobby rank in terms of uh, how hard he hit?
1: Okay, I, I, I'm going to tell you about this one fighter. Uh, the guy that's always hit me the hardest in my whole career, harder than Chavez, harder than anybody, harder than anybody was this guy from Mexico. I had just lost my title for the first time, I guess. I think it was my first title, well, last time I lost the title. And then I had, I had back then you had to have a tune-up in between the fights to keep warm and keep fresh and, you know, to get built back up. So uh, I, I was having a tune-up. And there was this guy, I don't even remember his name, but he was from Mexico. And he was, I don't remember what he was. He was like 27 or 37 and 15 or... 20 I Yeah, he, he had a crummy record, but out of his 27 wins, I think mean like 24, or 25 were by knockout. Wins were by knockout. Well, I never paid attention to that. <laughs> and so, you know, we get in there and we start fighting, and this guy starts hitting me. I'm going, oh. And, and, and while I'm fighting, I'm going, you know, the, the, the old crap fact- factor. You know, he hits me going, oh, crap. You know, I got to be careful this so I can get lucky, you know. So, but, again, you know, and I'm not saying I'm the only fighter that does this, but this is the ways of the ways of the fighters thinking in the 70s and 80s. Even in the 90s, this is how we thought. You know, a guy hit me hard. Like, when he hit me hard, I was like, oh, crap, I better jump on this dude and get him out of there before he gets lucky. And then, and so I did. I think I knocked him out like the third or fourth round. But, you know, instead of, you know, because when he hit me, he hit pretty hard. i tell you what, he was the one that, got, he was the one that made me think, oh, crap, I better get rid of this guy because he can get lucky. You know? And so I jumped on him. And, and I, I think I stopped him. like I don't remember what it was. Maybe fourth or sixth round, third round, something like that. But uh, that was probably the hardest hitting guy I've ever had, besides Bobby. Because um, Bobby had that type of power. strong with Bobby with that type of power every day, you know, uh, the Chavezes and, and the Haugens and, and the Molinas don't hit that hard anymore, you know, because I've taken beatings every day. You know? And guess what? If you teach your body to get used to it, it's going to get used to it. You know, just like running. If you if you run hard and you run hard every day, your body is going to get used to it. Sure, you're going to get tired, but you can work through that. You know, as a fighter, that's what we that's how we feel. We, I'm going to work through it. You know, when I'm hitting the speed bag and I've been training for an hour already, and it's the last two things I got to do is a speed bag in my exercises, and I'm doing I'm done hitting the speed bag for 20 30 minutes straight, nonstop. You know, and your arms are dead tired. And you're going, I'm going to, I can finish. I'm going to keep going. I ain't, ain't, ain't nothing stopping I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You ain't going as fast, but you're still going. And guess what? Over time, your body will, will get used to it because your body will adjust to anything that you put it through. It will adjust, you know?
0: All righty. Thank you for that. And uh, looking at your opponent's records, it sounds like the fighter's name might have been Andres Sandoval. He had a lot of knockouts. That sounds uh, right. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. What I'm about right. Yeah, yeah, I was looking yeah. at it here not, while you were talking. On yeah, yeah, he yeah. had about 37 yeah. knockouts and 41 wins. So there you go.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's him.
0: <laughs>
1: that's that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, he was the to... only he
1: was the only the only person that gave me the O S factor. You know? he was the only person that made me do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about your 1988. That was some year for you. You started off fighting uh, Tony Pepp, who was a pretty good uh, fighter. You stopped him in three rounds. Then you had the fight of the year with Rocky Lockridge, and you won the 130-pound championship. And then you had a great fight at the start of one of, the, I think, the most underrated trilogies in boxing with John John Molina, and you won a decision Oh, there, rough fight, low blows and all of that. So 12 rounds against Lockridge, 12 rounds against Molina, you get the fight of the year. Pretty busy 1988 for you. Talk a little bit about those fights and fighters.
1: You know what? And and here's something that's crazy because they're both equally as tough. They both, you know, speed makes up for power, so they're both equally punches hard. They're both equal on a lot of difference, but they were, they were like night and day. Uh, you had Rocky Lockridge who was, you know, the bell rings, let's go. You know, and if you ain't ready, you get knocked out. That's just that's Rocky. And then you had Molina who who says the bell rings and he starts moving, and you don't know which angle he's going to come from. You know, you don't know if he's going to hit you with the, with the with the body shot or a head shot. You don't know where it's coming from, and he's coming from all different angles, which is very it's for as a fighter, it's very hard to to read a boxer because, you know, boxers, they want to stay on the outside. They want to move around. You know, as a fighter, I don't want to do all that. You know, I want to, hey, let's go. You know, it's easy. You hit me, I hit you, I'll I'll try to make you miss and and hit you back and we'll do that. That's the easy part. The hard part is trying to watch the guy that's coming from all different angles. That's the tough You know, so when you get a good boxer in there with a good fighter, I mean, you know, it's it's gonna be who wants to win the worst, you know? Uh, the, mo- the one who wants to win the most is gonna win. You know, I don't think any one is better than the other one. I think they're both dangerous. Uh, with Molina, obviously it was uh, was well with Lockridge in eighty eight. It was you hit me, I hit you, let's go. You know? So that's just you gotta be ready, you gotta be you gotta be tough, you have to be everything that you have to imagine, you watch them fight, you go, Man, these guys are crazy. You have to be crazy, you have to be all of that. You know, and with Molina now, we're going to total opposite. Now, with Molina, especially the first time, I've never saw him fight before. I never – I didn't know anything about Molina. No one told me anything about Molina. And then Molina starts to move around, and, you know, I'm going, well, you know, I'm not used to moving around. I'm used to having someone stand in front of me and we'll swing it out, you know, but this guy's moving just in angles. so it made which made it tougher for me. You know, and, and you've got to have to kind of adjust during the fight well, you know, some fighters can adjust, some fighters can't. I think I did okay. You know, I didn't do my best. I, I, at the end of the fight, I was like, okay, I think I won, but, you know, I, it wasn't great. But, shoot, what a hard fight this was for me. You know what I mean? It was just different, you know? And so they're both looking right. tough right. on different angles, spectrums of the world, but equally as tough, you know?
0: Now, in that first Molino fight, uh, there was, he was throwing quite a bit uh, low, A lot of low blows in that fight. He actually lost a point late in the fight from a really uh, bad low blow. So you have this guy he didn't know nothing about, a mover. I I kind of refer to him as a, a longer, slicker version of Edwin Rosario, a very tough guy, underrated guy. And then he's cracking you low quite a bit. What was it like dealing with those low blows?
1: You know, watch this. To be real, When they happen, you know what, you're in a fight, Uh, uh, you know, you feel them, but they're not going to stop you. Uh, Dude, I'm in a fight. You know, I just got hit low, but it's not killing me. I'm not going to really cry about it. You know what I mean? I have someone throwing punches in front of me. I'm really worried about him throwing punches, you know. So that was my attitude. But that's always my attitude, you know. um, I don't know. You know, I'm in a fight. So, you know, if it's not going to kill me or drop me, I'm going to stand up and take it and keep going. You know, that's just my attitude, you know?
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Now, y- yeah, you had another fight after. You, you defeated Molina, another tough fight at Tyrone Jackson. Stopped him in the eighth round. Then you have to fight Molina again. I mean, wh- you're, you're a guy that seems like you want to fight and fight and don't care who it is. But was there any apprehension on fighting so, such a tough guy so soon after you already beat him? I mean, a lot of guys, they beat a guy once, they have to have been there, done that attitude, and they don't want to deal with it again. Were you forced to fight Molina, or was that something that you wanted, that rematch? I don't know. Well, cause see, I,
1: I, well, I don't remember Yeah, I think I won the first fight. Uh, I got a blown-out ice socket in the second fight. Uh, see, that's what people seem to misunderstand about that second fight when I lost. I had a blown-out eye socket. It hurt. You know, I think I had that at the end of the second round. I got that. And I and, and I don't remember what he hit me with. I, I, I kind of really, I, I don't know, but I kind of believe it was going to be a elbow. Because I remember, I think he threw a left, a, a right hook. And and it, instead of coming down with his elbow, he came back. But I don't think he did it on purpose. Way through it. He came back with it, and his elbow caught me right on my eyeball. Well, it forced my eye back and had my eye all the – you know, you have a socket, so it had all my muscles, to shed had nowhere to go, so it blew a hole in my socket. And then by the third round, I was at the end of the second round. By the third round, I already couldn't see. I couldn't see anything out of, out of my right eye. So I thought, okay, well, I have a of chance. Let's go. Let's keep going. And so <laughs> I think the fourth round, the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round, he was killing me. You know, but the referee never even thought about stopping the fight. You know what I mean? And this guy was murdering me. I don't think he. I, I think the referee was hitting me. He hit me so much I thought the referee was helping him out. You know. Right. right. <laughs> and then, uh, so finally, I, I think it was the tenth round. I think, I think on the on the on the on the scorecards, I didn't do too bad in the tenth round. I think I actually won the tenth round. Or was it no? So they stopped in eleven, the or they stopped in the tenth. Okay, the ninth round. Uh, I think ninth I, round. I, yeah. I think I actually did pretty good. Yeah, I think I actually did pretty good on, on the scorecards, uh, because you know, now mind you, we're in Sacramento. Uh people are cheering people are making all kinds of noise uh hollering and whooping and hollering bad or good whatever but they're they're yelling and I got this guy in front of me, and my eye hurts, my eye's killing me uh but I'm not gonna quit because uh, i I figure man if I can hit this guy one time, rock him i I can take, I can finish it you know and it but it never happened and then uh, uh I get caught with two jabs in the tenth round, I think it is with tenth round I get caught with two jabs I just never saw him I think in the fourth round, I got a cover from me in that guy. So after the fourth round, I can't see anything with my right out of my right eye. I I got zero vision out of my right eye, and i out of the left eye. Now I have blood dripping into my left eye. So I got this blurry picture of Molina and the ref. And the only way I can tell them apart was the referee was in a light blue shirt. You know, so I, if I see the blue shirt, I knew that was the referee. If I see the blue, it was the referee. Couldn't even tell them the shirt it was broke blurry, and then uh, uh you know. And then how we, how we even got away with that was, and we never practiced it. It was just something that happened at the time we did it. You know, I think after the third round, the referee came into my corner and says uh, he had three fingers up. Well, I remember I got cut in, the th- in that third round, so I couldn't see it because my, my left eye was blurry and my right eye was closed. So he goes, uh, how many fingers am I holding? And I couldn't see it. All of a sudden, my corner man hit me three times on my leg, on my ankle, because he was right there by my bucket guy. Little Tony, he hit me three times on my leg, and I go three. We never backed him, never He just did it, and I just said it. And, and I go three. He goes okay. You can continue. I like, dang it. <laughs> and then uh, he, goes, he goes okay. Come on out. So we came out. Kept on fighting. He never asked me anymore. But you know, I couldn't see. I couldn't see after the third round. I couldn't see anything. You know, and and I just figured. You know, if, if he hits me, I know he's supposed to have to hit back. I start swinging. But you know he was moving in and out, in and out. And now I never got the chance. You know, I was there. You know, and finally, when it, when the referee finally stopped in the tenth round, he you got know, caught with two jabs. I just never saw him. You know, and he hit him with two straight jabs. My head went back, and it didn't hurt. You know, and and then uh uh they stopped the fight, and they started a little mini what they call a riot. Was people throwing beer? It wasn't really a riot. It was just people throwing beer. And then the reason why they did that because the reason I feel is because if they were gonna stop the fight they should have stopped it any time in the third, fourth right. or fifth round.
0: It was an odd time. When to he stop was killing it. me. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, but in his tenth I had two rounds to go. He's, he's tired shoot, he's tired of he's so he's tired of kicking my butt. You know, I, yeah. I actually have a chance now. You know, and that's when they stop it, so you yeah. know. But I you know, that's it is what it is. But, you know, my check cash so I ain't mad. You
0: know? <laughs> And then you fight him a third time, and this time I I thought that was uh, the widest margin for you of the victory. You knocked him down late. Uh, Oddly enough, the scorecards were close. You won a unanimous decision, but uh, the scorecards were close. I didn't think that fight was all that close. What were your thoughts? I mean, you, you won. You probably didn't think about it too much. But the, when you heard those scorecards, were you like, what's going on here? Did you, did you think you should have gotten credit for a wider victory in that third fight?
1: You know what? On that third fight, watch For me.
0: Uh, it was actually a split decision. What? One of the judges, it, it was yeah, actually yeah. a split well, well, yeah. One of the judges didn't give it to you.
1: Yeah, I know. And I'm thinking, that what fight was he watching? So then I,
0: even I know, even in the ring
1: fighting, because you know, the fight you really don't pay attention. But after the fight was over, I went, shh, I won that one, you know? I, I, would, I had no doubt in my mind that I had won that one. So I don't know what fight he was watching, you know? And and and, and for me, that fight started, see, see, this, this is me, though, man. See, for me, that fight started in, in training, you know? Because uh, we trained in the same, at the same hotel we were at the, I think we were in, wow, we in Sears, uh, not Las Vegas, but Lake Tahoe. I think we were in Sears or Lake Tahoe. I think we trained for a while. And then went to the Peppermill in Reno. And then uh, we were training. But every time I would see him, you know, now he's John John Lino, the, the world champion, right? So he's walking around. He's got his little goofies with him, stuff. He's walking around the hotel like he's the man. Well, he is, to me, you know, he's walking around. He's a champion. So, you know, I'm the challenger, so I ain't really doing nothing. So every time – but every time he was having breakfast, I'd come back and – you know, sometimes we wouldn't meet every day, but, you know, uh, I'd pass him by at his table because I was getting ready to start eating breakfast. And I'd do the chicken walk, you know, I'd, I'd act like a chicken walk, a, 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 you know, do the pock-pock thing. And that's what he's going to run this time. I go, go, You're going to run? Or you're going to fight. And he'd look at me, and he had all his buddies running. They'd always, you know, and they'd start talking. And, I, you know, I, I would just do it to him all the time. So by the time the fight started, see, because well, here's the reality: in reality, I'm not going to outbox the guy. I'm not a boxer. I'm sorry. That ain't going to happen. But I know that. You know, what he doesn't know is he ain't going to outfight me. You know, I think I can outfight that man. So I had to get him into a shoot brawl instead of a boxing match. So, because, cause, you know, everybody knows he's going boxing every day of the week twice on Sunday. So I had to get him into a fight. So by the time the fight came, he wanted to kill me. I talked so much back to him. During the whole training camp, every time I saw him, I would do the stupidest things. I mean, I'm a grown man doing stupid things. And, but it was just to get under his coat. Well, it worked. So the first round, the first girl came, he came right in. It's on and cracked. Well, I, I think in the in the third or fourth round or second or third or fourth round, I don't remember what it was. But uh, I told my trainer, he goes, he goes, how's it going? I go, you know what, dude? I go, I got him this fight. I go, this fight's mine. I got him. You know? And then he goes, okay. You know? Uh, because now this time he wants to fight. He wants to kill me. You know, right. so in, in a street fight, I'm a giddy. In a boxing match, he's got the upper hand. You know, I needed the upper hand, you know, so, and that's the way I took it. So that fight started way
0: before the first bell even rang. Wow. Wow, great story there. Now, you, you had two fights with uh, Brian uh, Mitchell, a great fighter. First fight, a draw. Second fight, you lose a unanimous uh, decision. Uh, talk a little bit about... Talk a little bit about what it was like fighting him.
1: You know, Brian Mitchell was good. He, he's not—he's not a great fighter, but he's a good technician. And you know, the first fight—you know, do you have a bad day? I had. There's a few fights I have bad days. You know, it just wasn't my day. You know, there's really nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. Like you get up at early in the morning, you're—you're you're gonna go to the to your show, and you're getting up, and you're, you know out. Nothing's going right for me today. You know, well, for you, you know, only you only you know that. Maybe when you're on the radio, people know it, or, or they don't, or whatever. But as a fighter, you have a bad day the whole world season. You know what I mean? And so I was just having a bad day for the first fight. And, you know, I thought, I thought okay, I didn't win. I didn't lose. A draw would be good. They gave it to me. Fine, I don't really care. You know, that's just, I, that was my attitude at the fight. I was like, hey, you know, I wasn't really feeling it. You know, would, would they give us a draw the first time or something like that? I think I think they gave us a draw, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, it was
0: a draw. And then the
1: second fight, yeah. And then and then the second fight, uh, you know, man, it's just second fight. I I started having trouble making that weight, that one thirty pound division. Now, what people don't realize, i been making one thirty pound stuff. Sixteen years old, you know. Now I'm getting up in age. I'm what? What? In my late twenties now, you know. And and I think I was twenty nine, and you know that one thirty pound division was getting really hard to make. And, you know, my, my managers telling me, okay, this will be the last fight, this will be the last fight of 130, you know, 135, blah, blah, I'm going, man, you know, <laughs> I may not make 130 this time. You know what I mean? I'm going, this mm-hmm. is getting kind of tough, you know. And so I get on the scale and I, and I watch this. Uh, and don't ask me how I did it. My doctors tell me I'm a miracle. Don't I don't know. And so uh, I didn't eat for four days straight. I didn't drink for four days straight. Uh, before the weigh-ins, the four days prior to the weigh-ins. I worked out three times a day. I jump on the scale, and I'm dead. I'm already dead. I'm I'm dead with the scales. I jump on the scale. I weigh 130 and three quarters. And my heart's Mm. like, oh, my God. And then so you you got so many hours to make the weight, so I go down there. I uh, put on the Abilene. I put on some plastics. I go into a sauna, and I start jump rope. And then I, I put some gum in my mouth, to try to chew gum, but that I, that doesn't happen because I have no saliva. I can't chew gum. The gum walk you know, I couldn't chew it. So I had to spit that out and I rope for well, two or three hours. Away. We had to to lose the weight. Come back on the scale. Now I'm more dead than I was when I first got there, right? So I get back on the scale, and I get back on the scale. I look out and they say one thirty and three quarters. I didn't lose a freaking ounce. Dude. And I was done. There was there was and and then they go, Well, you can either take the fight now or drop it down to a ten rounder and blah blah blah. And I said, No, 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 we'll let it go, we'll let it go. That's and jumping up and down I'm like, Yeah, well you of course you're gonna do it. So i dead here, you know? And so uh and so that, that, that third you know, that, that the second fight with me was or, or you know, the one I didn't make the weight was, was like a, m I don't know, man, it wasn't really you know, it wasn't really uh, uh a real fight for me. But now you come back, you know, it, it just really wasn't. You know, then you come back to the third one, uh, the one in Reno, and then uh, that's the one where you know uh, you don't get so heavy during during, during the break. Uh, you stay kind of trained, you stay on top, you keep doing what you're doing, and uh, you come back and and you make it work, you know. So I'm not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Now after. Bobby Chacon left, and you stopped sparring with him over the years. Were there other uh, guys that you sparred with that uh, have re- name recognition of other champions that you might have sparred with?
1: Uh, you know, the only other, only other one I really sparred with was Greg Houtman. Yeah. Other mm-hmm. than that, they were just, you know, top – I guess they were – I don't I, – sometimes you only use top ten contenders – Sometimes you have to have, you know, and you make it work. You know, I, I came from a time where, I'm from a, actually, I came from a gym where everybody started with everybody and you had to make it work. So whether, you know, I was a kid sparring with heavyweights and I was going at it. You know, obviously they weren't going hard at me. You don't have to do that. In same return, right. I was sparring, I was 130 pounds, walking around 160, 165, and sparring with guys that are walking around maybe 140, you know, and you're taking it light on them. So you learn to spar with everybody, you know. So, you know, because like they always told me, you know, you beat up your sparring partners, and guess what? You have no more sparring partners. How you get ready for fights? You know?
0: Right, so
1: right. that's kind of how we did it, you know?
0: All righty. Thank you for that. Now, talk a little bit about your team over the years. Sometimes you can only be as good as the people that are working around you you mentioned your trainer already who, who were the people that were closest to you that were handling you that that really uh were you know there for you and conversely whether there anybody that you worked with that you were sorry that you worked with that tried to you know do, do you dirty so to speak did, did you have anything like that in your career no
1: you know what my, my people pretty good i have all good people you know Obviously, I worked with my dad. Uh, Will it was good. Uh, my my brother was a trainer for a while. He was all right, you know. Uh, a, a good a good trainer that I had was Stan Ward. He was a uh, I think a California state champion back in the day from Sacramento. I trained with him for a while. he was my trainer for a while. And you know, uh, you know, I, I, I trained with other fighters uh, from around the United States. I, I you know trained in Mexico and you know got to meet other other fighters. First Trinidad. Bunch of people, you know everybody. Everybody that was anybody in that time, you know, because you're all champions, you're all doing what you're doing, and you know, I don't know, man, my, my I don't really get. I wasn't really that guy that goes, "Hey, I'm the I'm a world champion. I need the best." It. Man, I, I'm a fighter. I need someone that can train. You know what I mean? And if we click, right. we click. If we don't, we don't. You know, it wasn't <laughs> any more than that. You know, keep it as simple as possible. You
0: know. Indeed, indeed. Now, was there anybody that you wanted to get a fight with and it did not pan out? Was there anybody you had your sights set on and uh, for whatever reason you couldn't get to fight them?
1: Yeah, uh, there's a few of them actually. Uh, as I was coming up, see Rocky Lockridge, here's something crazy. Rocky, Rocky Lockridge was the guy that I thought about in the gym, was the chant, and I thought, okay, but I'm a kid. What do I know? I'm just I'm dreaming, right? I'm a kid, and I'm looking at Rocky Lockers. I watch him fight. i see him fight all the time. Every time he fought, I watched him. You know, and and dreaming as a fighter, because we're in the same weight division, I'm thinking, okay, one day I'm going to grow up, and and I'm going to get to to fight Rocky Lockers. I'm going to beat him, make a million dollars, and I can retire for life. You know, know, that was back then, and you're you're a kid, and you're dreaming, right? And so, and and here's the crazy part. People go, hey, man, and I tell that story to people, and they go, hey, man, did you ever – so what did it feel like when you were fighting him? I go, you know what, dude? I don't feel like all about him being my not. I don't know if he was my idol. He was just a guy that I wanted to fight, and I wanted to fight yeah. him because he was tough. I didn't want to fight him because I, you know, cause I was 100 percent sure I'd beat him. I wanted to fight him because he was tough, you know, because I, I, I wanted to prove that I can beat him. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. so it was, it was. Uh, he he was one. Um, the 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 the. the 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 champion from Azuma Nelson was another. Um uh, uh what was that the fighter's name? Uh starts with a G in that weight division. He was like uh, he was uh from not Irish. Uh um uh, was was he Irish? I don't remember what he was. Uh, a white guy uh, I had him to my tongue. Um can't remember. And and uh those uh, are the those those are of fighting. That'll teach you uh, But you know the, the, all, like, all the tough ones are, are that time Now we've got and, and so uh, uh, You know those, those are the guys Of my times You know I, I, wanted to fight, I wanted to fight I didn't necessarily Want to fight Because I know I could work with them. I wanted to fight Because I knew It was going to be A good fight You know what I mean Right And so mm-hmm. And that's and that's what's Kind of missing In boxing today You know People you want To get paid What are you going To get paid For You know Just fight You know, win. You want to get paid more, win, you know? And if you want to get paid more, keep winning, you know? Uh, That's kind of one way about the fight right now, you know? That's not how fighters think anymore, you know? So, I don't know. It's kind of sad.
0: Uh, Is there one performance for you that stands out more than all of the others? If you were to say that was the best I could ever be, you have a fight like that?
1: No, I was still waiting for it. I, didn't, I never had it. <laughs> I never had that Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I now, always thought that I could
0: improve. You know. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now you, you mentioned Rocky Lockridge and how fond you were of him, and uh, unfortunately, he has since. Uh, Passed away. What were your thoughts uh, when that happened? Just a sad story. Great champion, but uh, things just seemed to be uh, pretty rough for him after his boxing career.
1: Yeah, you know, after his career, after after it was over, you know, uh, especially after after the second fight I had with him, uh, you know, you just hear his stuff here and there, and and all you can do is pray for him. You know what I mean? That's all I could do for him, you know. Uh, you know, is, is he? I, I reached out to him a couple of times, you know, saying, hey, you know, basically just telling him, hey, man, he said, no, I'm here, man, I'm here for you, you know what I mean? And, but I never heard from him, never heard up back, so, you know, life goes on, so all you can do is pray for him, man, you know, that's all I could do, so that's all I did.
0: Now, what is your status right now in terms of, of boxing? Do you work in boxing at all? Do you follow the sport at all? <laughs>
1: Not as much as I used to. Um, uh, like even after the last Ortiz fight, you know, I don't really know. Uh, you know, you watch the first thing you think, "Oh, awesome, dude!" You know, guy's chubby little kid, but you know he came out, did his job, and he hits heart You know, the Soapy gets in shape. Let's see what he can do. You know, and, and, and I mean, come on, man! How many Mexican headways has there ever been? Now we, we're five two. We don't get over. We don't get over one hundred eighty pounds. You know, some, some of them do, but. <laughs> but in general, that's that's general. You know what I mean? But now we have a heavyweight, we have a Mexican heavyweight champion of the world. Man, we should we should be proud. We should be, there should be parades. There should be all kinds of stuff, right? I think he's gonna be what second or third one in history. Probably the second one in history, maybe right. third. Anyways, but you know, we're sort we should we should be celebrating. So he comes out again, and and watch, as a champion, you have some responsibilities. You know, you have responsibilities right. as a champion. You know, to act right Do the right thing Do the right, you know Do the right thing, man Get, get in shape, lose some weight, get better in shape You know, uh, uh, train harder Lose some weight, you know Gain some muscle, do whatever you gotta do But, you know, start training You know, you're the champion You you are the champion of the world You have an obligation to people, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. you know, but he comes back And uh, the second fight was kind of boring um, I was like, okay watch. I'd rather watch my paint pill You know what I mean?
0: Well, uh, and, then, and then after the fight, fight was over, fit. the guy had him say what? I said it wasn't much of a fight, Tony.
1: No, that's why I'd rather watch paint bill. You telling not know I mean? a better turn, you know. And then after the fight was over, he had the audacity to say we should do it again. There should be a number. Th- now you're tripping. Get out of here. Number three. Right, right. Number two shouldn't have happened, you know. And, and see, for for I don't know, for me anyways, I don't know how the fight is still. I know some other fighters still because i talked to them, but, but you know, uh, uh, that's almost disgraceful, man. You know what I mean? I mean, have some pride when you fight. You know, you, you're getting paid, dude. Put some work in, that, you know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, it's just it's different again. Like I said, boxing is different.
0: Now, if boxing did not exist, Tony, what do you think you would have done as far as a career if there was no boxing?
1: Uh, you know what? Uh, I actually, actually, when I was 20 years old, uh, um, I, I was, you know, I, mean, I, I had a few. Because I do, I went to college for a year, and I thought, well, I'm wasting my time. I'm going to go get a job. I'll keep, I'll get a better job, you know. So I, I've always had jobs. So uh, I was I wanted to be a police officer, and uh, mm-hmm. I did my took my A. J. classes and did all that, and then uh, I took a I took a test to become a police officer for the city of Sacramento. And I passed. I was second in my class. And hmm. I got this letter in the mail saying, hey, you know, you're second in class. You're, We want you, like, I, I don't know when it was, in a week or two or three, a month, I don't know, to come down to Richardson Boulevard and, you know, come on and finish up stuff, and we'll get you into the and We'll set you off. You pass. We want you. Cool. So I said, oh, man, so I was, I was excited. And then I thought, man, you know what? But I really want to be a fighter, <laughs> you know? Right. I really want to fight. And so I'm going, man, what can I do? What can I do? What should I do? So I'm literally, honestly, going, sitting at my, at my kitchen table going, man, do I fight? Or do I become a cop? Do I fight? I go, man. And, and this took me days because was, this was like a life-changing moment for me. It really was. And, and so I, I don't know, maybe a week later, I'm going, I don't know, before I had to turn myself into the school, maybe a day or before I turned myself into the school so, to be the police officer, Oh, I was going to be a community service officer. They're going to start me off as a community service officer. And I was going to train for that. And then they're going to pay for my colors and all that stuff. And so it was, the way it read, it read really well. So then uh, uh, I thought, man, you know what? I can always be a cop. But you know what? You can't always be a world champion. And so I go, man, I'm a box. So I didn't go. I, I never showed up.
0: Mm.
1: And I kept going to the gym. And... You know, my life turned out the way it did. You know? I'm not mad.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you, you certainly achieved your goal. Multiple world champion, Tony DeSai Lopez. Thank you for all the great fights and thrills you gave us. Uh, it was great watching you. A, a lot of your fights were on NBC and other television outlets, and uh, we just cherish all of that. And we thank you for your time. Now's the time for some closing remarks. It's been a great uh, thrill.
1: Man, thank you very much, man. I appreciate all that you said, man. It was really nice talking to you guys, and I hope you have a good day. And a happy new year.
0: Yeah, thank you, too. And you have a great rest of your evening. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. This is Teofimo Lopez, The Takeover, and you are now listening to Zoot's Boxing Talk. Alrighty, we are back, and thank you very much, Tiafimo. Thank you very much, Tony, to Tiger Lopez. He, he's just one of those guys that talks about boxing as good as he fought, right? I could listen and talk to that guy for hours and hours. And one of the, what did he say? When, what was one of the things he said? You have your good days and you have your bad days when you are fighting. Now, I don't necessarily believe uh, Bud Crawford had a bad night. When he fought Mean Machine, I just think that he he, he fought a guy that was better than people were giving him credit for and stepped up. And at the end of the day, Bud beat him up pretty good and, and get him out of there. Now, I don't agree with the criticisms that came Crawford's way. I want to make that clear. But I think it's kind of funny that you started goofing on tank davis the way it did when you were being hammered by quite a few people after your showing against mean machine but uh and now there has been a a twitter war uh (laughs) surfacing among uh tanks people and and Crawford and even Steve Kim got involved. I, I, I'd rather just watch the fight and talk about the fights. But these are things that, that are a big part of what's going on today. And we do have to address them. But uh, just to talk about Tony a little bit more. I mean, that if you had never seen it, that trilogy with John John Bolina uh, was amazing. first fight was close. Quite honestly, thought could have went either way second fight Molina totally dominated and you had the weird stoppage where the crowd was really upset and showered the ring with drinks cups of beer and everything else it it was kind of like a marvelous Marvin Hagler Alan Minter moment where Molina had to be rushed out of the ring did not have the privilege of being awarded the title in the ring after his effort and the third fight was pretty damn good i thought uh lopez won it by at least a couple of rounds but uh, it was a split decision but and all three flights great skill great heart and just a great uh trilogy that uh, should really get its due a couple of things before we get out of here uh some news to report uh the purse bid for the ibf light. Heavyweight mandatory title defense between champion Artur Bedev and challenger, the number one contender, Meng Fanglong, uh, happened. And it was won by uh, a Chinese promotion company, the Rejoy Group, uh, outbid top rank by a couple of hundred thousand dollars, about six Six hundred thousand dollars, give or take and a top rank obviously better beat as a top rank fighter but they lost the purse bid uh, i'm not sure what that means in terms of how we here in the u.s could see that fight since top rank lost the fight will there still be a deal made where we could see it on espn or espn plus I'm not sure how that works that's the only real uh interest that i have in it i could care less who won the bid uh hopefully it, it's a good fight and it happens i mean we certainly want to see uh, better beat him. he's a top guy he, he's a guy that comes to fight uh, i mean uh he had a great fight uh this year and we hope that light heavyweight uh division uh manifests into something uh Really great with the Bivol at the top, and now Pascal. Maybe Pascal and uh, and uh, Jack have a rematch to settle that uh, score. Uh, and you got a couple other really good uh, light heavyweights in that mix. Uh, Gilberto Ramirez is another guy that could make some noise. Uh, Jesse Hart's having a big fight coming up. So we'll we'll definitely see. But Betabidev is the guy that uh, is the flavor of the month, so to speak, uh, right now after his big win uh, this past year. So we'll look at that. And uh, if Top Rank lost that first bid, they had great news uh, with the announcement of the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder rematch it's going to be a joint effort with uh top rank and uh, the pbc and the wilders company and it should be a big pay-per-view extravaganza for the early quarter of 2020 so that should be fun uh, nobody won officially won the first fight so we're looking forward to this rematch uh it, it was a wonder where would fury going to top rank whether or not it was going to happen but it happened as i mentioned earlier we came close to having porter and crawford fight across the streams so to speak but uh, it seems like crawford has put that uh, to bed so to speak and we'll see what's next for him uh you you gotta love sean porter right i'm not the biggest sean porter fan in terms of his fighting style but uh, met the guy once seems like an extremely nice guy uh and he he fights everybody how how could you not say good things about sean porter so we'll we'll see what happens uh possibly crawford is going to try and get danny garcia if he gets past red catch i don't know what and and that could be a passable fight danny garcia and sean porter certainly had a fight that i thought was closer than most people uh so but uh, after bud puts himself in this position you got to be real careful about who you fight next and we'll definitely Uh, Wait on that. And obviously the one that everybody wants is Errol Spence Jr. and Crawford Uh, and Errol Spence Jr. made his comeback on uh, television after that horrific uh, car accident. And he has said that he wants to fight again in May, June, something like that. And we'll definitely see about that. Right. A lot of people are debating whether or not he could be ready. Or not, but listen, you got to take into consideration Where Spence has been and what he is doing and what I mean by that is even though it's been Reported that, that he is sort of like a free agent. I don't know exactly what his contract status is Errol Spence jr. Is very much a PBC guy and that means he's a Heyman guy. So Whatever Heyman wants him to do. I think he'll do right if Heyman feels that he's ready fight in may or june and especially against the top guy then it's going to happen i mean say what you want about al Heyman, but he has guys who trust him and he is not going to make a mistake with this guy and what mistake can be made right because you have a built-in excuse if your team spends now let's say you fight and you're not ready that's your excuse right and it's a legitimate excuse especially if the fight is uh, detrimental to him because of a, a bad cut on his eye. His eye didn't look like it was uh, uh, ready to go uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, uh, they, they, they're they not going to be stupid with their cash cow. They are going to fight Spence when they feel Spence is ready. Spence could say whatever he wants, but he's going to listen to the people that have got him where he is today. And yeah, I hope that he's ready. But what's more important, and what nobody seems to talk about, and what I don't think Brian Kenny addressed at all in the interview he had with him is what is he doing to get help? This accident was caused because he was driving and drinking, drinking and driving, and uh, it could have been a lot worse. And he's lucky that nobody else was hit or involved in this accident, right? As far as I'm concerned, drinking and driving is not taken seriously enough. It should be a much harsher crime. You are putting your life in danger and the life of others in danger. I don't know why it is not a, it does not come with a harsher penalty than what it has, right? But, you know, at the same time, you could be driving – And drinking and not necessarily have an alcohol problem. And I know plenty of people who drink and drive, and I wouldn't call them alcoholics. You know, you got to dig a little bit deeper than that. I'm not sure about Spence. Is he an alcoholic? He certainly made a bad choice of drinking and driving, but that doesn't mean that uh, he's addicted or anything like that. But it certainly can mean that. Are we finding that out, or are we getting this guy the proper help i could tell you one thing from my experience people who drink and drive it's very they're very stubborn they don't want to admit that they have a problem and we certainly hope he's learned from this but and that should be more important than when is he going to fight next should he be fighting as early as may or june i mean yeah as boxing fans we are you know we are locked in on that because he's such a great talent but i want to make sure that this guy's okay i want to make sure that he's not going to make such a silly mistake i mean he got away with it once what are we doing to ensure that it does not happen again and i don't know spencer's personal life at all i don't really try and get involved in that anyway even if i did but uh, this is certainly a red flag that needs to be addressed. But uh, perhaps, if we're lucky, this will be the year that uh, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. uh, do fight. At the very least, it seems like Bob Arum's claimed that Spence is in a lot worse condition. That's what I'm letting on, and it's a question or not whether he'll fight again. I I think we saw enough to say that that might not be true or whatever that might be worth I don't know but uh, again I don't know why Bob Arum is going out of his way trying to make uh, breaking news I mean I know why but uh, you know you, you, you gotta let that stuff go now to Arum's credit it seems like he's really trying to get the Spence Crawford fight made uh, hes it's a fight that he needs I mean at the same time if Bob Aram had all the stable that the PPC had in terms of available opponents for Crawford the way PPC has a lot of available opponents for Spence if Aram was in that position would he be so willing to cross the streams uh, you don't know but at the end of the day it's not that, that kind of stuff is not about the fight but it sometimes it's what saturates the the conversation. And I try to be as fair as possible. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I could care less about top rank PBC, who has what fighter, what Aram's record is against payment and all of that kind of stuff. I want to see the best possible fight in the sport that I love. And if that means that uh, these guys need to work together and we have seen instances where they can work together it could be beautiful. So we'll see. 2020 is just begun and we have a full year to digest. And we already have some good fights scheduled for the month of January. Uh, top rank is, already has a big agenda, as does uh, PBC and Fox and Dazzle and all that good stuff. So uh, we'll certainly see. For now, the big heavyweight rematch is announced. Hopefully that goes through without any problems you have to worry about fury and training with the bad cut that he suffered hopefully that's healed and ready to go and there's no hiccups before february i could certainly see that happening i don't want to be one of those people that uh, is a debbie downer but uh, the fact that the fight got made and is announced is fabulous now we have to get there and my experience of watching boxing over the years, fights like this tend to have delays. Hopefully, it's not the case. Well, that's it for tonight, folks. We'll be back on uh, next Wednesday. Thank you very much, Tony to Tiger Lopez. Have a fabulous 2020, all of you. And we'll be back. And until we are back, keep on punching.